Praise God. Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? Man, me too. I'm so glad you're here. I mean, we have, uh, I've had an incredible summer. I had a great summer, but now we're in fall. And last weekend was the first weekend for college football. This weekend was the second weekend. Romo's already hurt, so the NFL season doesn't matter. And that starts today. So NFL starts today. Actually, it started Thursday night, and uh, Denver put a whooping on Cam Newton again. So, but that's a whole nother story. Man, God's good, amen? We started Ground Zero and Power Kids last week, and we had over 300 kindergarten through 12th graders and leaders, over 300 students and leaders uh, last week. Y'all give the Lord a hand clap, amen? I have a... I have a pastor friend who lives in El Paso, and he tweeted me and said, it looks like you're a pastor in the whole community. And I said, well, we're doing our best and trying to. We had an incredible night down there at Power Kids. Uh, our first week, we gave the boys and girls an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you know, one of the things that I love about kids' ministry, I said to them, you know, there's about 140 of them. How many of you want Jesus in your heart? Every single hand in the room went up. Every kindergarten through fifth grader raised their hand. And we led them in a prayer. And, and a lot of them have prayed that before, but it's so powerful to reach boys and girls. Then Grand Zero, I was down here for that service, and we probably had 25 uh, junior high and high school students raise their hands uh, to say they wanted Christ as their savior several of them came up after the service and told kurt that they had prayed that prayer for the very first time so god is doing amazing amazing things amen back in the spring back in april and may the holy spirit began to minister to me about the series that i'm going to start this morning and the title of my series is i love my church and the holy spirit began to speak to me about some things that he wanted me to share with you some things that were stirring in his heart and are consequently stirring in my heart i am passionate and i'm excited and i believe in the local church i'm so thankful for the church now i'm not just passionate because i'm a pastor I'm passionate because it's changed my life. It changed Vicky's life. The hope of the world is the church. The hope of this community, the hope of your family is the church because the church is where Jesus Christ has his way and moves in our lives and families. I've seen so many different people's lives changed by the local New Testament church. And so I'm starting my new series this morning, and I want to show you some, thing, some things in Scripture about church. And I said a couple of weeks ago, we are the hope of the world. We're not a club. We're not customers. We're not an organization. We're the living body of Jesus Christ. You're the hands and the feet of Jesus at your job, with your friends, in your community, with your family. Everywhere you go, you're the voice of Jesus. You're the hands of and the feet of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to show you some scripture this morning and encourage you in the things of God in the church. The first place I want to go to is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to read one verse. Listen to what it says. It says, all of you together, all of us together are Christ's body, and each of us is a part of it. Listen, we're the people of God. We're not a building. Now, thank God for this building. Amen. Thank God that it's cool in the summer and warm in the winter. But the church is not a building. The church is a people. Here's what else I know. It won't work the way it's supposed to without you. Listen, one of the biggest lies the enemy gives us is this. No, I don't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm in church. I'm going to stay home today. Nobody's going to miss me. Nobody will know if I'm there. I mean, all I'm going to do is go in and sit in a seat and get up and go home. And it's a lie. Listen, 
You are the church of Jesus Christ, and you're needed. You're needed in this local body. There are people in this service already that you've communicated to and you've ministered to, and you probably may not have even have known it. I had some up, come, somebody come up to me after the service, after the first service, and they said, your life has ministered to me and encouraged me. Now, I know you would say, well, that's easy because you're a preacher, and that's all good. That's what preachers do. No. No, it's not true. It's because I'm a Christian. All right, you have probably already ministered to somebody in this service simply by you being here. You matter and you make a difference. Now, the verse I just read to you says that we're the body of Christ. Now, there's a very popular thing going on right now, especially among young adults, and that is, hey, I'm all for Jesus, Pastor Rusty. I want Jesus in my life, but I don't really want anything to do with church. All right, I don't mind having Christ. I don't mind being a Christian. But, man, I don't, I don't want anything to do with church. You know, remember the young man I spoke to in the Y, and he told me, he said, well, I, I, don't, want, I don't believe in organized religion. And what he's saying is, is I don't want anything to do with the church. Okay, but here's the thing. You can't separate Jesus from his body. Okay, we're the body of Christ. Okay, and so what I'm telling Jesus is, hey, Jesus, I, I love you, but, but I, I don't love your body, and I don't want to be a part of your body. Now, just bring that into marriage, okay? Imagine if I told Vicki, we've been married a little over 40 years, if I told Vicki, baby, I, I love you, and I do, and I tell her all the time, baby, I love you. But then if I said, but I can't stand your body. Yeah, y'all be at my funeral, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I want red roses and yellow roses, right? Uh, we all know that's, that you would die by doing that. You, you, that's not good. Okay, it's the very same way with the church. Listen, we're the body of Christ, and we don't just need Jesus. We need his body, and the Scripture says that we are. Now, we all understand enough about science and biology to know that if something is disconnected from its body, from its source, what happens to it? Well, it dies. The lady down the street from me had her trees trimmed. And the guys that trimmed them left a lot of the branches in her yard, and they didn't pick them up for a few days. Well, I drove by those branches several times, and for the first couple of days, those branches looked good. They, the leaves were still plump and full, and it, they looked like they were still part of the tree. But as the next couple of days went by, we all know what happened. The leaves begin to shrink, and they begin to wither, and they begin to get dried and crunchy, and I knew those branches were dead. All right, if I lost a finger, if I lost a toe, if I were to lose a hand or if I were to lose an arm, we all know that if it could not be surgically reattached, that it would die. That arm, that toe, that foot would die. It, it would perish, All right? It's the very same way with us as Christians. The body needs you, but you need the body. And one of the things the enemy wants to do to you spiritually for whatever reason is he wants to separate you from the body. He wants to separate you from the source. And when he does, ultimately, you'll die. Now listen to this. You'll never be all God wants you to be apart from his body. You see, God wants to use you. God wants to minister to you. God wants to strengthen you. God wants to grow you. But it's almost impossible for it to happen separated from the body. Here's the next thing the Bible says about the church. It says that we're the bride of Christ. And I want to read to you. Out of Revelations 19, 7, we're the bride. Now, I know for the guys, that's a little bit of a stretch. You think, ah, I don't want to be a bride, man. And, and, I, and I understand that, okay? I totally understand that. But what he's talking about there is that relationship that we have with Jesus. Listen to what it says in Revelations 19, 7. It says, let us be glad and rejoice 
and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted, that's talking about us, to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. You see, one of the first things that's going to happen in heaven when we all get together as believers is going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the Bible says it's going to be a great party and we're going to celebrate and we're going to rejoice in the goodness of God and that we're redeemed. And the Bible says that you and I are the bride of Christ. Okay, now just imagine Greg Birkenfeld, who helps lead worship, and Glenda, his wife, is right here. We've been friends for many years. And uh, we've, we've uh, been involved in church together and served together. And Greg and I are good friends and have been good friends for many years. Imagine if I saw Greg this afternoon and I said, Greg, I'm so thankful for our friendship. But listen, I can't stand your wife. And I just, can you just keep her away from me? Because I just really don't like being around her. And uh, I mean, every time I see her, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't like it. And so could you just, uh, I, I want to be your friend, but I, I don't want to hang around your wife. And that's only an example, Glenda, right? You know, you know I love you, right? Okay. Glenda's on the front row thinking, my gosh, why'd I come? Amen? <laughs> All right, we know that's ridiculous. All right, it's the same way with the body example. All right, the bride of Christ matters. Jesus, I love you, and I'm part of your body. I love you, and I'm part of the bride. The church matters and makes a difference. Now, I want to show you three simple things this morning that happens to you that we want to happen within you when you're in church. Here's the first thing. The church helps you to know God. Now, I'm going to read to you out of Ephesians 1.17. The church helps you to know God. Now, in Ephesians, Paul prayed a prayer. He prayed a prayer that's several verses long. And I, as your pastor, pray that prayer over you daily. And I take that prayer, and if you're a part of Tulia Christian Fellowship, if you consider this your church, then you are in that prayer. You're under that prayer. And so you can get up in the morning, and as you're going to work, you can know this. You are covered in prayer because Pastor Rusty lifted you in prayer, and he prays this prayer over you. Let me read you the first couple sentences of what it says. Paul said, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, I want to show you a couple of powerful things there. Paul says that he keeps asking. I do the same thing. I do the same thing. Every single day, I ask God the Father that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul prayed it over the church then. I pray it over you as a church now, that you'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. But then look what it says, so that something else would happen. So you're not going to have wisdom and revelation just for the sake of having wisdom and revelation. Your pastor prays, Paul prayed, that you would have wisdom and revelation so that you would know Christ. That's what it says. Listen to the next sentence, that you would know him better. One of the things that we want to happen to you at Tulia Christian Fellowship is for you to know God better. That when you come in this place, you are getting to know God. I want to read you another verse out of John. This is John 17, verse 3. Listen to what it says. It's the NIV translation, and Jesus is speaking. He says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Now, listen to this. Don't miss this. Jesus said, this is eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but when the Bible talks about eternal life, 
I, I want to understand that, and I want some of that. So it says this is eternal life. What is eternal life? That we would know God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said eternal life comes from knowing God. Now, if you've ever read in the New Testament, Jesus had an encounter with some people who weren't believers. They were outside of the kingdom. And then he talks about even on Judgment Day that there'll be people in front of Jesus who don't know him. And here's what he says to them. He says, depart from me because I never knew you. All right, now this is the essence of Christianity. Don't miss this right here. See, the essence of Christianity is not religious duty. The essence of Christianity isn't going to church. Listen, we don't go to church. We are the church, okay? Now, we gather here as a family, but I I don't go to church. I'm the church. You're the church. We're a part of the church. Jesus said the essence of Christianity is, is that you would know him because if you don't know him, then he says, depart from me because I I don't know you. So the first thing that we want to happen to you when you gather in this place together is that you'd know God. Here's the second thing, that you would see him in worship. Now, let me explain something to you about worship. When I hear the word worship, if you're like me, I think singing, and I love to sing, okay? I love to worship on the front row. If you haven't noticed, I love to sing. You know, sometimes I can sing too loud, and I don't mean to, but, man, I just like to sing, and I want to worship God. But worship's more than singing. Okay, do you know that when you got in your car and drove over here this morning that you were already worshiping? You see, when you got up this morning and you said to yourself, hey, I think we're going to go to church this morning, and you got ready, and you got in your vehicle, and you came here, when you pulled up into the parking lot, you are already worshiping God. Because, you see, you took time out of your schedule, You suspended whatever it is you have to do today, whatever's on your to-do list, whatever it looks like, and you told God, God, I'm going to give you some time. Listen, folks, that's worship. Then you came in this place, and if you happened to come in through the Java Cafe, and you got a donut and a cup of coffee, and you saw somebody across the room, and you said, hey, what's going on? Hey, man, how are you? How's your week been? What's happening? You know what you're doing? You're fellowshipping with the saints, and you know what that is? That's worship. Then you come in this place, and we sing, and we, we sing to God. Then we have opportunities to pray. Then we have an opportunity to give. You know, giving's worship. You know that, right? You see, my money doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. My time doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. You see, my whole life belongs to God. Now you're seated, and you're gracious enough to stay in this place and allow me to teach you the Word of God. All of this is worship. And so what we want to happen is for you to see God in worship. Now, I'm going to read to you out of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. Isaiah has a vision. And I don't know if he's actually in heaven or if it's a vision, but he's in the throne room and he sees God. And the Bible says that he sees God high and lifted up. It's pretty amazing. Here's something that I want you to understand this morning. And I know you know this, but it's a revelation. Uh, There is a God and you're not him. Amen. You know, that's one of the things that happens to me when I'm in church is I know that he is God and I'm not. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 6, 5. He said, so I said, woe to me for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Now, all he's doing is comparing himself to the holiness of God. Okay, are you with me? He's not downing himself. He's just looking at the beauty and the wonder and the holiness of God. And then he sees himself as unclean because of it. And he says, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Here's what I want to happen to you when you're in church, that you recognize that God is greater than you. 
God is greater than you. You see, he's God and I'm not. Now, here's the crux of our heart at church. Is when you're in this place, we want you to experience a face-to-face encounter with God. You see, it's not about the lights. It's not about the worship. And and I'm thankful for all that. We have an incredible band and we have incredible volunteers and coffee shop and all that we do. But when you come in this place, here's what Pastor Rusty wants to happen. I want you to have a face-to-face encounter with God because when you do, it changes everything. It changes everything. See, that's the difference in religion and Christianity. See, if we just show up in this place and church is something I go do and it's something I endure, it's something I sit through so I can get on with my day, then I'm just religious and nothing changes. But when I come in this place and I have an encounter with God, I have a face-to-face with Jesus. And many of you across this room have had that happen to you. I've had it happen to me. Something changes. And your life is never the same. You see, that's what happened to Vicky and I. Church changed us. Church changed us. You see, I never grew up wanting to be a pastor. And when I was a young kid, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was in junior high and high school. I mean, for a while, I was going to be a welder. For a while, I wanted to be a pilot. You know, for a while, I was going to be a draftsman. Then I wanted to be a veterinarian. I didn't, I didn't know. I was one of those kids. Even in high school, all my friends, you know, they knew where they were going to go to college. Did y'all have friends like that? Man, they knew what they were going to do, and they knew where they were going to go to college, and they knew what they wanted to do. You know, Ashley, my daughter, I mean, she, pl- she would go to school and come home and play school. Okay, because she wanted to be a teacher. She always knew she wanted to be a teacher. And when she went to college, she went to college to be a teacher, and now she's a teacher. See, I, I never was like that. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But if I could boil it down, here's what was kind of always in my heart. I wanted to do something to help people. I didn't really know what that meant or what that looked like. Uh, I can remember enrolling at Emerald College one time in the x-ray technology program. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll do that. And I went for about six months, and, and I didn't really like it. And, and, and so I got out of that program because I, I, I couldn't really put my finger on what it was. But then Vicki and I began to turn our hearts toward Christ. And that call that was on the inside of me, and the Bible says it's there before I was born, that call began to rise up on the inside of me. Then I can take you to the intersection in Amarillo, Texas, where Vicki and I were living in Amarillo at the time. And we pulled up at this intersection and stopped at a stop sign. And I looked over at her, and here's what I said. I said, I, I think I'm called to the ministry. And she said, well, you know, we probably ought to quit going to the bars. And so we did, amen? We did. We, we quit going to the bars, and, and, and we started going to church, and it, and it absolutely, y'all are laughing, it absolutely changed my life, amen? It absolutely changed my life. Listen, we sang a song this morning, uh, and it's called Come, Come Thou Fount. Let me, let me back up and make sure I hadn't skipped anything. I don't want to leave anything out that God's stirring in me. It's called Come Thou Fount. We sang it this morning. It's by Robert Robertson. It was written in 1775. That song we sang is over 250 years old. I mean, that's been on the charts a long time, isn't it? I mean, singing a song that's 250 years old. Listen to these two stanzas. It says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter. Now, a fetter's a chain. A fetter was an old word for a chain that you'd chain somebody to something. So he's saying, let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wondering heart to thee. 
prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. See, one of the things that we want to happen to you is when you come into churches, we worship. Now, listen, okay, I grew up in church, and I didn't always like church. We didn't go to church constantly all the time, but we were in church and, you know, I, I mean, we sang old songs. And this song that we sang this morning, I love. But, you know, I'm the kid that we'd sit in church. And we didn't really, you know, we sit in church. Another word would be to endure church, right? We endured church. And I don't mean that wrong. That's just how I felt as a kid. See, one of the things that I want to happen at church is that it's fun. It's full of life, see? And I never did understand how we'd sing those old songs I'd never heard of. And then we'd go out and get my mom and dad's 1960 Chevrolet Impala. And it was blue and white and and I would reach up and turn on the radio in Amarillo on the AM station. And when I would turn on the radio, I would hear this. It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. It's been a hard day's night. I should be sleeping like a log. But when I get on to you, you know the things that you do will make me feel all right. And I never did understand why the radio sounded so different than that stuff we were singing in that building, right? I liked that stuff on the radio. And if my dad was in a good mood, he'd even let me leave it on, right? He didn't like that. He liked Hank Williams, right? He, 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 he liked Ernest Tubb. All right, so, you know, that's one of the things that we want to happen in church is that the music's real and it's alive and it's vibrant and it's, and it's good. I mean, and that you can worship God to it. You know what else happens in church? Have you ever thought about, hey, you know, we do church every seven days, and it seems like a lot sometimes, but here's what I want you to know. Okay, I believe God orchestrated time the way it's set up. Man didn't do it. God did it. And you see, every seven days, I come into God's house, and I suspend my schedule. I suspend my time, and I say, God, I'm going to come into your house and I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to seek your face, and I'm going to humble myself before you. And what it creates is a rhythm of grace. Now, I know a lot of you guys work, and I understand that, and that this is not in any way saying anything about your work schedule because I know a lot of you guys work, and you're not able to be in church every Sunday, but I know when you're able to be here, you are. But you create that rhythm of grace in your life. You create that rhythm of blessing that rhythm of life. And so every seven days, I come into this place and I, and I humble myself and I say, God, I, I want to worship you. I want to worship you with my praise and my singing. I want to worship you with my giving. I want to worship you with prayer. I, I want to worship you with, with the word. And it creates grace and it brings change into your life. Here's the last thing that I want to happen is I want to help you understand him through teaching. Understand him through teaching. Matthew 13, 18. Now, once Vicki and I got saved, we got into a different kind of church than I grew up in. And I just want to be honest with you. I've been in church services sometimes that were kind of weird. Kind of weird. I was in church services when I was a kid that were weird. Okay, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, when I was a kid, I was an asthmatic. <clears throat> so my grandmother and then would take me to church services to get prayer so I could be healed of asthma. And, you know, one time my aunt told my dad, we want Rusty to get prayer so he'll be normal. And that prayer never worked, okay? And, 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 and it made my dad mad. And it so blesses me. It made him mad because he told my, and I love my aunt. She's still alive. And she, but she wasn't trying to be mean. And he said, Rusty is normal. And it's like, you, you know, there's give and take on that, amen? So, 
But we were in a service one time in Amarillo down on 6th Street. If any of you ladies have been shopping down on 6th Street. And uh, this church was called Souls Harbor. That building is still there. And it was an auditorium, an old auditorium. And I was sitting out on the, on the edge, like right where Don is. I was on the edge, and my family was sitting there. Well, this guy got up to pray for people. And they kind of, all of them together, got momentum. You know those little balls on the desk that you, you know. Okay, well, they did that to me and knocked me out into the floor in the aisle. I'm a kid. Well, and then this preacher's like, oh, right there, you need prayer. And I'm like, no, I just need my seat back. I don't want prayer. Well, they made me come up and they prayed for me that I wouldn't have asthma. And, and then they made me run around the auditorium and do laps to see if I would wheeze. Needless to say, I did not join that church. Amen. Needless to say, I, I thought, well, I, I don't even need to pray if I'm supposed to go back there. And I was a kid. They took me. They didn't, you know. But here's the thing about church. We want church to be consistently good. We want church to be a place where you have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ. I know this. The Holy Spirit will never embarrass you, and it's my heart to never embarrass you either. And then the other thing we don't want to do is we don't want to be spooky natural. And I've been in services that were spooky natural. And what I mean by that is, you know, we did weird things, and then when people didn't come back, we would say it was because we were spiritual and they weren't. And that's sadly wrong. It's not the truth. We want this to be a place where you can bring your friends and you can bring your family. I have a pastor friend in New Mexico, and he had a family that didn't come one Sunday. And the next week he said, hey, I missed you guys. Where were y'all? And they said, oh, pastor, our families, they're not ready for your church. And he said it just rocked him to the core because he thought, what are we doing that our own people can't bring their loved ones to church. Listen to what it says in Matthew 13, 18. Now, this is the parable of the sower, and I don't have time to read the whole thing. I just want you to see this one thing. Jesus is speaking. He said, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. He says two very simple, powerful things. He says, when you come in this place, if you don't understand the enemy steals it from you. If you don't understand what I'm talking about when I read Scripture, I'm not doing my job, and the enemy comes and steals it from you. And I was in church services that did things that were even based on Scripture, but they didn't explain, and so I didn't understand. And because I didn't understand, it was stolen from me. Listen, church is for outsiders, not just insiders. Amen? It's not just for insiders, it's for outsiders. I've been in churches where it was hard for new people to come to church. It was hard, number one, because we love each other, and that makes us clannish, right? And, and we do, we love each other, and we know each other, and I know you, and I know your mom, and I know your grandmother, and I know, what, I know, I know when your car is at El Burrito. I drive by and see your car. I know you, right? I mean, I know, I mean, that's how small this town is, right? I mean, I know who you are. But that can make us clannish, and we really have to fight against that. What does that mean? That means we're open to outsiders. We don't make it hard for people to come to church here. We make it easy for people to come to church here. Here's the last thing that's on my heart. Now, we're all sitting in rows, and we just do that for order. Nothing wrong with that. But you see, the body of Christ is not about shoulder to shoulder. It's about face to face. See, if the only time we see each other is when we come in these doors on Sunday and we sit shoulder to shoulder, and I kind of say hi to you because I'm supposed to, but then we don't see each other during the week, what are we doing? I mean, it's, 
it's supposed to be more than that. So we're supposed to do it face to face. My daughter's in a life group, and she hadn't been feeling good, and so she was going to stay home this morning, but she's here. And you know why she's here? Because of her life group. She came because she wanted to be with her friends. And you see what they're doing in their life group? They're doing face-to-face. They're not doing shoulder-to-shoulder. That's what church is, is that we're face-to-face, that we love each other, we're there for each other, and we're reaching out to each other. Now, i got two things I want to share with you to conclude. Last May, the Holy Spirit ministered to me, and I went and had some signs made. And it's on both sides, and it says, I love my church, and then it has our website on the bottom. And uh, we ordered these and bought them, and here's what I'm hoping you'll do. They're going to be out at the red desk. And when you leave this morning, I, I would love for you to get one of these signs and put it in your yard. Okay, and I don't want you to put it in your yard like this. It's double-sided like a real estate sign. So I want you to put it in your yard like this so when people drive by, they'll see this sign. Now, now here's why, why are you doing this, Pastor? Why, why, what's up with this? Well, here's why. Because I want you to identify yourself as a Christian. I want you to identify yourself as part of the Tulia Christian Fellowship. And I want this to be a catalyst of conversation in your neighborhood and with your friends. So when your neighbor comes up and says, man, are, are you getting your house roughed? I mean, I never heard of that. I love my church, man. You know, I mean, or are, they, are, they gonna, are, you, are you selling your house? I mean, I know there's a lot of new realtors in town. And maybe I love my church real estate. I don't know. I mean, right? And you, and you say, no, no, that's my church. That's Tulia Christian Fellowship. That's the website on the bottom. You know Rusty's church. And man, I've been going there, and Jesus has so changed our life. And man, I, I, I'd love for you to come. And so my heart is that we'll have these all over town. I want them to be everywhere. I want one in every one of your yards. And so when people stop and say, you know, what's that, what's that goofy blue sign in your yard for? Say, oh, it's just because I love Jesus and I, and I go to church and it's changed me. Now, here's the other thing. Starting in October, it's going to be on October 1st, we're going to add a new service and it's called First Saturday. Here's what we're going to do. The first Saturday of each month, starting in October, October 1st is the first one, we're going to have a Saturday night service. So once a month, called First Saturday at 5.30, we're going to meet on Saturday. The coffee bar, the Java Cafe will be open at 4.30. You can come in and get a latte. You can get something to drink. And then we'll have church on Saturday night, the first Saturday of each month. And what we want it to do is we want it to be a new open door, a new opportunity for you to maybe invite somebody, bring somebody, maybe somebody who can't come on Sunday, maybe somebody who wouldn't come on Sunday, but they're comfortable coming on Saturday night. Because, you know, Saturday nights can, and we're casual here, but it, it's just casual. And so here's what, I, here's what I'd like to see happen. I've already prayed over every one of these signs, is that you put this in your yard, and then when your neighbor comes up and says, what in the world, what are you doing? Oh, man, that's, that's my church, man. That's Tulia Christian Fellowship. And we started a new service called First Saturday, and I'd love for you to come. And if you'd come, I'll buy you a latte. And if you don't know what a latte is, Miss Lou will help you figure out what it is. Right? I'll, I'd love for you to come. And here's all I want to do. All I want to do is for us to keep reaching this community. And I want it to be true that we are reaching this community and that it's just an opportunity. I know it's hard. I'm a preacher, okay? I, and in my block, I know it can be hard to go over and knock on the neighbor's door and say, hey, you want to come to church with me? So I just feel like this is just a little, just a little something to kind of maybe stir the conversation. 
and, and it, it just identifies you as, man, hey, and, and you know, think not everybody does love church, but we have a great church because you're great people, and we love our church. And just an opportunity to say, man, church has helped me. Church has changed me, and I, I'd love for you to come. And so we're going to leave these in our yards for a few weeks, and I'll give you more information about it in the future, but they're going to be out there when we dismiss, and grab you one and stick it in your yard and, and get ready. Amen? So when somebody says, what are you doing? Man, I'm just going to church, and, and it'll help you. Amen? All right, y'all stand up and let's pray.